terrifying week as U.S. citizens were gunned down in broad daylight just across from the Texas city of Brownsville in Matamoros, Tamaulipas. I'm Jamie Virgi with Sinclair Broadcasting from the U.S.-Mexico border in Brownsville, Texas. I know as far as U.S. law enforcement, we don't want, we want to see people arrested. We want to see people held accountable, not necessarily who was just the shooters, but who was the organization behind it. It is advice to U.S. Uh, citizens not to travel into Mexico. It was supposed to be a medical tourism trip for a group of five from South Carolina. Latavia McGee Washington was going across, according to her friend, Cheryl Orange, to get a cosmetic procedure done. Orange could not cross because she did not have the right documents. The other four, including Latavia, Eric James Williams, Shaid Woodward, and Zindel Brown, went across on Friday, but they never came back. Now, Orange, who stayed at the Motel 6 in Brownsville, filed a police report on Saturday morning. And the rest you have seen now all over national news. the horrific sounds of the ambush on Friday when four U.S. citizens were kidnapped in broad daylight in Matamoros, Mexico. After a number of raids overnight by Mexican authorities, around 8 a.m., all four were found, two alive, two dead. Obviously, Mexico is going to be doing their investigations. We have to wait till they release the bodies before they can come back here. It was in this building in the outskirts of Matamoros going towards a beach area called Baghdad, about 40 minutes away from the Texas resort area of South Padre Island. Shahid Woodard and Sindel Brown were dead inside. McGee and Williams were alive and then were taken to the Veterans Bridge where the exchange took place with the FBI. Homeland Security and other federal agents. They were then brought here to Valley Regional Hospital in Brownsville. According to former Homeland Security agent in charge of South Texas, Jerry Robinette, regular commerce that goes back and forth will now suffer the consequences of this brazen attack on U.S. citizens. This is not good for business if you're the cartel because they know what happens next. There's going to be uh, additional scrutiny at the ports of entry along the border. Robinette talked to us about supply and demand and also what may now happen that two U.S. citizens, two of them were killed. They're back on U.S. soil, but now federal authorities here in Mexico are trying to piece together what exactly happened. All right, so... While you guys are doing all of that, you have to think that the cartels have to be over there going, what the hell did we just do? Absolutely. Look, this is not good for business if you're the cartel because they know what happens next. There's going to be uh, additional scrutiny at the ports of entry along the border. You're going to have people turning over rocks. You're going to have people interviewing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of enforcement action to follow and invest a case like this. And sure enough, you're going to find things that they don't, they don't want you to find. So this is not good for business as far as the cartel. This is not good for regular business or just regular commerce that goes back and forth either. 
So there's a vested interest in everybody there along both sides of that border to, to hopefully see this thing, uh, you know, investigated, cleared, suspects arrested, whether they're charged in Mexico, whether they're charged in the U.S. Uh, again, at the end of the day, this is not good for anyone. Let me ask you, and we've been talking about this for a while, and I know they're saying, you know, send the military, do this, do that. But we have been talking about this part for years. I even got into it with Vicente Fox during an interview because I asked him, if your country cannot deal with the problem, we have the users on our side, you have the cartels on your side. But once you get the cartel, you can't hold them in the jail. They end up going back to the streets. Why not just designate them as a terrorist organization? Because it changes things, right? I, yeah, I mean, I think you you have people who will tell you yes, you have others who will tell you no. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we've been dealing with this issue for many, many, many years. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, what is driving all of this is the money from drugs, the money from alien smuggling. It's the money that's generated by the cartels, the smuggling organizations, the organized crime. It's what's fueling the power that these organizations have to basically hold the country of Mexico hostage. Uh, you know, we can argue whether they have the desire, whether they have the will, or whether they have the capacity. I mean, we've seen for many, many, many years just the price that they've paid and trying to enforce and take actions against the cartels. Uh, you know, at the same time, we've got to look at ourselves. You know, what's driving that that appetite? What's driving that violence? Is the money from the sale and the use of drugs here in the U.S.? You know, as long as the demand is there, those organizations are going to go to the extremes that you see to protect that territory and protect their businesses. Uh, you know, we, it, this is not a, there's fault on both sides. We have to accept that. It's just, it's unfortunately here lately, we only hear about uh, what Mexico is doing and it's, it's not doing and what we need to do at the border. And we need to start, you know, looking at ourselves and saying and holding some of the users that are buying these drugs that are sending that money that ultimately gets back to the cartels. And, and makes it the power that they are. How important is it that we got back right away the two U.S. victims that survived? I know there was a little to do with Mexico because they wanted to keep them to do their own investigation. I mean, the importance of getting them back home right away. Well, obviously, for safety's sake, there's, there's, that's the number one way to do it. Uh, there's nobody that's going to be able to provide the care the emergency care, the medical care, uh, than we can here in the United States. At the same time, look, you're not, law enforcement is, you're not going to, the, the abilities of law enforcement in Mexico are one thing, the capabilities that we have here are another thing. Obviously, we have to work with Mexico. No doubt in my mind, there's nobody that has, that's motivated more than Mexico right now for this thing to, to be, to put this thing behind them. Because again, this is, this doesn't look good for Mexico. So they're going to cooperate to the extent, to whatever extent they need to. But again, you know, we've got to get, we have to get the, the witnesses. We need to try to put together the pieces to try to figure out, you know, just, it was this a rogue, uh, uh, car, uh, you know, individuals that were caught in the middle, somebody who was trying to be, who was being robbed. Uh, we don't know. Uh, it's all speculation at this time. Uh, we don't know if there's a nexus to these individuals on the U.S. side. You know, it's not unusual for these individuals to actually flee the cartel 
And where are they going to flee to? They're going to flee to the U.S. to try to hide from the cartel. So it's imperative that we coordinate and try to generate as much as intelligence so that we can share that amongst CBP, Homeland Security Investigations, the Bureau, DEA, and anybody and everybody who has eyes and ears along the border. Yeah, right about now you have to think whether this was a mistake or not or someone went rogue, more than likely they're going to be looking for them. I mean, this is a mistake that could be detrimental to them making money. So are we to soon see violence on the other side or probably find people hanging, you know, from the bridges again in Mexico? Well, I mean, I my my guess is like we've seen in the past and other border towns along in Nuevo Laredo and in other border towns along the valley, uh, you know, the cartels will they'll they'll clean their own business. Uh, I, I think in this case, I, I would not be surprised if you start you see additional arrests. Uh, I know as far as U.S. law enforcement, we don't want we want to see people arrested. We want to see people held accountable. We want to know who was behind it. Not necessarily who was just the shooters, but who was the organization behind it. So it's it, it's for us. We need to know. We just can't uh, just having a, a a somebody deliver a body to us. It's not good enough. Looking back, when we've had these incidents in the past, and I mind you again, you know, for years, you know, H Homeland Security Investigations working with CBP, you know, we've had those violent task forces, border violence task forces, that respond to incidents that occur in Mexico. You know, obviously, this is getting all sorts of national coverage, all the way to the White House, all the way to the, to both presidents. Uh, but you know, we've had incidents of violence occurring on the Mexican border or just across that border quite often. And, uh, you know, our agents along the border have been dealing with that day in and day out. That's why I really feel comfortable that they're in tune with what's happening on that side of the border. So I, I, I think we're probably going to see some some pretty quick results here in the next day or two uh, as, as these agencies put their efforts together. Also, on Thursday, the cartel that claims that some of their members who went rogue left a letter on a truck apologizing for those members of their criminal organization who did not follow the rules by attacking innocent civilians. They also apologized to the family of the Mexican woman who was an innocent bystander and was killed along with the two Americans. The letter was left on the windshield of a truck along with five men assumed to be sicarios who had their hands tied to their back and were down on the ground. But this won't be enough to calm down those in Washington who are once again saying that some of the Mexican cartels should be designated as foreign terrorist organizations. Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina spoke on Wednesday about legislation that would classify certain Mexican drug cartels as terrorist organizations, describing them as a national security issue. We're going to introduce legislation in the coming days and trying to make it bipartisan to designate these groups foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law to open up more capability to go after them and their uh, conspirators all over the world. But at the White House, their comment this week was that designating the cartels as FTOs would not grant them any additional authorities that they didn't really have already at this time. The press secretary at the White House also said that the United States already has sanctions 
that they can use against these trafficking organizations and the individuals and entities that enable them. Now, we have not been afraid to use them, was the comment that the White House gave out. But others like retired special agent in charge of the DEA in the San Antonio area, Dante Sorianello, say that designating drug cartels as terroristic organizations must happen. Additional authorities would be authorized by the United States government. And that would include the use of military going after these individuals where they're based. It would put the fear of God into the drug traffickers if we went after them like we go after terrorist cell heads. And that is all for this week's episode of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. I do want to remind everyone who's planning trips this spring break and summer to look at the State Department's travel warnings to Mexico and other countries. Right now, to travel to many areas in Mexico, you would have to look and see that many of them are at a level four, which means do not travel. This is the highest advisory level due to greater likelihood of life-threatening risk. During an emergency, the U.S. government may have very limited ability to provide assistance. From Brownsville, Texas, I'm Jamie Virgen for Sinclair Broadcasting.